The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Joining us today, we have freelance journalist Adam Millington, and also we have back with us editor of the WSL full-time, Dan Pentland. Nice to have you back, guys. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Annie. Thanks so much. Looking back to last week, England slipped to defeat in Utrecht against the Dutch, an unhappy return to the Netherlands for Serena Wiegman, as Renate Jansen scored an injury time to give the Dutch all three points. Adam, you were there. What did you make of the game? I think England at times for past few months maybe have been a bit underwhelming they've had a tendency there were a couple of games in the world cup where nigeria haiti there was the australia game at home the portugal game at home where sometimes they could be error prone and whatever and the netherlands just knew what they were doing and found a way around england started badly made good subs from serena to be fair she did really nice tactical changes but they switched off again once they got level and netherlands manager changed things up beat England and England probably didn't deserve a point they wouldn't have deserved any more than a point and the Netherlands played really well worked really hard and deserved winners you're not the first person that's actually said to me that they're underwhelming do you think that because we started off so well with Serena Wiegman people expected the same kind of performance over and over again do you think it's almost an unfair standard I think possibly yeah it was a a really good start and then there was the friendlies that England had were probably against teams of a bit of a lesser standard. So you keep seeing England winning 10-0, 8-0, 20-0. You had a good Euros that that helped. And that's the standard that everyone expects from England. And then you get a few injuries. And maybe, I guess, there's a sense of they're not having to play to prove anything anymore. So it, it it's possibly a little bit easier at times to maybe switch off. Whereas teams come and play England... And they want to beat England because it's the teams to beat. So, you know, like Haiti at the World Cup is probably the best example of that, of Haiti putting an absolute storm against England. And it was a bit of a shock to the system. Mix that with the fact that you've got a lot of the players who went far in the Champions League last year, have had a huge World Cup. They didn't have much rest last year anyway because they had a Euros a couple of weeks off, then a camp where they played uh, away in Austria. And you've got players who've just had so much load on them and a team that's had to be constantly changed and a bit of an attacking void that's still never really been filled until and White left, that they have a lot to live up to and it's so hard to keep maintaining that forever, especially the Nations League now. You play against very good teams and those very good teams will catch you out. Yeah. Scotland grabbed an equaliser with the last kickoff of the game, Sophie Howard on the score sheet, and Wales were soundly beaten at home by Denmark, who made it two wins out of two in Group A3. In Group B1, the Republic of Ireland have two wins out of two after a comfortable 4-0 win in Hungary. Caitlin Hayes, Katie McCabe, Kyra Carusa and Denise O'Sullivan were on the score sheet, and Lauren Wade scored on her 50th cap for Northern Ireland as they beat Albania 1-0 to give Tanya Oxtabury her first win. Now, this week, we sat down with the former Chelsea keeper, Carly Telford, as she is back in a campaign for women to get back into the sport. She told Kay Holland all about that and a look ahead to the WSL season. The great thing we're here to talk about, it's been such a bumper summer of female sporting events. Um, Obviously, the FIFA Women's World Cup, the Women's Ashes, Wimbledon, 
And new research has shown that's inspired millions of women to get back into sports, you know, dust off, dust off their boots, get out their rackets, whatever, get back into sport. Um, Apparently, it's 59 percent of women have started training with an old club again. Um, This is obviously such positive news. But what do you think had perhaps been a deterrent before? You look at it and if it's if it's. Uh, women going back into sport I'd imagine they probably fell out of sport fell out of love with it probably when they they went maybe to secondary school or finished secondary school and went and tried to go to university I think there's a huge drop off in girls and women in sport around that age group there's social pressures there's is there enough kind of activities outside of sport but I think one of the main blockers was actually sport in school I know when I was went to secondary school um, I was kind of forced or pushed into playing netball, doing dance, gymnastics, hockey was probably the only ball sport um, that I could play. And I think that was probably a big deterrent for, for women who enjoyed sport in general. So if you did enjoy football, rugby, tennis, it was accessibility. Women are seen as quite um, cool now to play these sports. Like we're quite cool athletes, footballers and, and rugby players and cricket cricket players. Um, I think it's so if you're growing up as a young girl, it doesn't seem as if you've got social pressures to you might not be the only one as well anymore, which used to be a thing. If you're the only one that played sport or, or you're coming out on a Friday night and then you're like, no, I've got training on Saturday morning, etc. It's kind of like, oh, we'll just come out and kind of thinking, well, nobody else is doing this. I might, but you've but usually got, I went to a school the other week and there was like 16 girls playing football uh, just within one school and within one year group as well, which is incredible. So I think that's where we've seen a lot of changes. Um, but I think that women that have unfortunately given it up for 20, 30 years are now looking and thinking, I think I fancy this again. And I've got, like you say, dusted everything out of the old school, old school kind of boots off and, and they're all kit off and, and got themselves back into community, into the community. And it's, it's amazing to see. Um, the reason, one of the reasons why we're here talking today is, is through a, a shoe sport, uh, initiative. Um, I've been very lucky enough, played for Chelsea and, and shoe our sponsor. Um, and they're, they're sponsors of the, the FIFA Women's World Cup. So I think a partnership with, with them guys, I think as female athletes, we have a real affiliation to, to sponsors that come into our kind of vicinity to give back to the community. We know how important leaving a legacy is and creating that piece where if we're inspiring girls to, to put on their boots and, and gloves and, and, and get on the cricket pads and pick a bat up, like, well, how do we give them access to do that? And working with brands such as Shure, um, and helping them understand, um, what we would like to do. And then them coming up with these amazing creative ideas where, um, they give back. So creating the, the break in limits program, which is, um, you can find on at Sure Sport UK on their Instagram and on the website at sureodron.co.uk. There's loads of information about that. And that's just a place where back off the back of the World Cup, it was creating a program where it give girls and, and women, uh, empowerment and confidence. And opportunities within football. So there's a couple of modules. There's some modules on football in there. Like if you want to get into football again and restart, I guess your love for it. If, if you kind of fell out in love and now you're, you're back involved or you want to get back involved. Also, if you're just a young kid, um, with a dream, um, I want to be the next lioness. So yeah, those, that, that's the places I'd send you guys. FA are really good as well. They have some really cool programs in and around your local, um, kind of your, your local affiliation. So yeah, def- definitely go into those two things. Great. Well, I guess let's turn our attention to the Women's Super League. Um, so the new season kicks off this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so, Carly, that's just over a month since the World Cup final between England and Spain in Sydney. And between that, we've had the Nations League and the Champions League qualifiers. Um, I guess from your perspective as a former pro, is do you have any concern about player welfare? That's, that's quite a schedule. 
Possibly, and unfortunately, a lot of my friends are, are sufferers of ACL injuries uh, that we've seen in the past kind of year to 18 months. Yeah, I think we even look at the men's game. I think the men have come out the past two seasons and said about the loading and their their bodies are more primed than ours um, because they've been do, playing the game full time for a lot longer than what we have um, just to kind of with withhold these kind of like these, these intense kind of schedules. But for us, I mean, a lot of us have only, well, a lot of us were, or have been only part, only full time footballers for maybe five to eight years max. So a lot of our childhood, a lot of where we brought up was all on part time. So maybe our bodies aren't primed to the amount, but then they've chucked in, which is great in terms of like the profile of the game. But I just think it's just, it's very dangerous piece to, to lead. And I don't think all the facilities and pitches are up to the standards they need to be. So when you do go to different nations and different places all over the, all over the country, everyone's stadiums are different. The pitches are different. The quality of the ground, the travel, um, everyone's infrastructures are very different as well. Some people have multiple physios. Some people have one physio. Some people have a doctor. Some people have a part-time doctor. Like if we're going to be this jam-packed schedule like the men's, do we have the stuff behind the scenes to facilitate that and at the minute I don't think we do so I think we've just got to be very very careful like most things unfortunately probably get worse before it does get better but I am it is a concern it is a concern within the women's game and there's a lot of conversations between UEFA FIFA and a lot of the national captains as to how we can kind of help um, get keep the game growing but also within a way that's safe for the girls. Right excellent so, so how to manage that Um there is such a real excitement though about the new season I probably think, like most people, Chelsea have got to be the favourites, having won the uh, past four league titles. Um, But it does feel as if it's getting tighter at the top. Um, I just wondered your thoughts, really. Do you expect a real battle for the title this season? Is there anyone that can topple Chelsea? Um, I think it, like it has been the past, I'd say the past probably two, two, three seasons. It's been very close. It's come down and very much so to the last game of the season, um, past two seasons, which has been so exciting if you're a, an avid fan of, of, of the sport and just watching it from afar or even the bottom of the league as well has become tighter relegation spot. And that's what's so exciting. It's like top and bottom. It's very, it's very competitive now, but I do think the teams in the middle are getting better and better. So like, I think we will see again, like we do every year is probably the most competitive league. Of course I am. I'm going to have my Chelsea hat on and say we're, we're going to be strong enough. And I think we've got that mentality. Um, but with Arsenal getting knocked out of Champions League, that's less games for them. So does it make them stronger? Um, uh, Man United, I don't know how they're going to sit with them losing some star players, but they've kind of brought in some internationals that not a lot of people have heard of, but could be very, very effective for them because it's a different style with some Asian influx in there and some European influx. It's good. They're going to look a very different team, I think, to what they have done previously. Keeping hold of Mary was, was a big one. But then you got like to Aston Villa, who have strengthened and were very under the radar. So, yeah, I think it's going to be the, one of the most, if they're not competitive leagues. But I'm always going to say that Chelsea just have that, always have had that edge when it comes down to the, the nitty gritty um, of the end of season. So, yeah, of course, I think they'll do it again. Chelsea through and through. Um, <laughs> you touched on a couple of names there. I just wonder, are there any other sort of stars that we should be looking out for this season? Any star names in there? I think it'd be interesting to see if Rach, going from her season last year, how she goes this year. She's an unbelievable player, but I do think she's, you've got to look out for Rach daily in terms of when Villa are playing. She's always kind of their, their, their stay hold. As for the new players, um, I think, the the couple that City and, and United have signed are really interested. I, I can't look away from uh, Kyra Cooney Cross, who signed for Arsenal, a very young, talented player. But I think for us as well, um, you've got Ashley Lawrence, Mia Fischel, Kat Macario, 
players that have always been talked about when they've been abroad and now we finally got them in our league. So I think even at Chelsea, we've got some some really star star names uh, signing Hannah Hampton into how she gets in and gets on in this league. Uh, I'm going to talk about the goalkeepers. So Andomzala, who signed for Aston Villa, had a very good game against England. We've just got, we've had a real influx. I think this season, a lot of business was done before the World Cup. So I think people have forgotten who they've kind of signed until like now. And they're like, oh my God, they play for our team or they're actually in the WSL, which is really exciting. And I just think we've, we're going to just keep growing and growing. I think year and year as, as uh, the clubs uh, become more and more full time and they offer more and more money and it's going to pull players from all over the world to want to come play in this wonderful league. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a very exciting season for sure. Excellent. Um, well, the curtain raiser is, of course, between Aston Villa uh, and Manchester United. Yeah. Um, and it's been in the news the last day or so, you know, football commentator Jackie Oatley, she's spoken out and said that the Aston Villa women are dreading playing on Sunday um, because of the issues with the club's clingy shirts. I know the men have had issues, too, about the wet look Castor shirt. What, what do you make of it all? It's a really interesting one because it's actually, if you if you read the context around it as well, it's not just the women's team. The men have come out and said they're not comfortable and not happy about it. Um, look, this day and age, men are just as sometimes as uncomfortable about their body image as women are, especially with how much they're in the media these days. Um, and I think they've brought it to their attention. But the fact that they're even thinking about putting the women in that shirt as we go into a winter season which we know whether they're sweating or whether it's just a rainy day, them shirts are going to have an effect where it's going to be stuck to them. Um, and no one wants to go to the game to watch women in that light. They'd go to the game to watch the game of football. So I think that, I think personally, if I was sat in that dressing room, I would have raised concerns and I'm sure they have. And I think Rach Daly jumped on yesterday and said um, that they've actually played in their training kit in pre-season. They didn't play in the, the actual kit. So it wouldn't surprise me if until the, it's sorted that they do actually decide to play in their training kit and maybe just put the sponsors on it because I don't think anyone should be made to feel uncomfortable in a kit that they're playing in. We had it with the white shorts. We've got that change now. So I think Castor will be panicking behind the scenes, but I'm sure they'll be looking to have a resolution over it because it's only going to hurt the brand more than anything um, if your players, your team that you sponsor doesn't want to wear it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it's sad to see, but it's another thing that, again, we have to think about. So season number 13 in WSL and a player who has played in all 13 seasons of the WSL provided the first drama of the season as Rachel Williams popped up in stoppage time to give Manchester United all three points. Lucia Garcia had cancelled out Rachel Daly's opener at Villa Park in front of 12,533 fans. Adam, you were watching this game keenly. It was a tight game that kind of exploded into life after the sending off, don't you think? Yeah, it, it took a while for the game to really kick into life. And then once it did, it all came at once. It was a fantastic match after that. Villa, they've improved so much and are now a team who are really hard to beat and they were hard to break down in the first half, even though United had a lot of the ball. And it was that sending off that changed things that Villa go and score. And I think for United having to fight back from being 1-0 down against 10 really inspired them. And they were at full pelt for the last 20 or so minutes of that game. And you felt that it was coming when Rachel Williams scored that goal. You felt with the first goal that it was coming that an equaliser was on its way and yeah, it was an incredible match to watch. After probably about the 60th minute mark, you could tell that both teams, it was stale, draw. Then it was like, right, we really need to fight for something here. And United got it over the line in the end. Mark Skinner mentioned beforehand that he thought his side might struggle with them not having much training time together, but he was pretty happy with how they played, in particular the new signings. How did you think that they did? 
Yeah, I think Jay-Z is one of the best signings of the window. Um, seeing her on Saturday, on Sunday even, she absolutely stormed the Aston Villa defence in the first half. She was really the only one creating things in the final third for United, but she is a welcome addition. I remember seeing her in the, the finalissima against England. She had a brilliant time there. And she's someone who brings something a little bit different to United's attack, just the ability to go and she'll create something on her own, which is really nice. It is so hard for defenders to deal with when you've got a player with that level of skill and creativity. Um, the other players we didn't get to see too much of, uh, but yeah, I think she is probably the standout player I watched of the, of the weekend. Carla Ward bemoaned a few decisions. Dan, do you think Villa could potentially feel a bit hard done by? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, it, it was a, a kind of a, a two passionate teams, two pass, passionate managers going head to head and you know, you know what what happened happened, but um, she she obviously thought that her team were hard done by, and you know she might have a point there. Do you think that Villa can potentially break into the top four this season? Um, I, I don't see why not. I know Carla's obviously wanting to make sure that they're just consistent, and obviously they don't slip down the table like we've seen with the likes of Spurs and Brighton in in recent seasons. Um. So yeah, I think um, you know that the the one of a handful of sides who can really make it difficult for the top four this year. Um, you know, it's going to be really really hard for any team to break into that. But if there's one team that can do it, it's Aston Villa. Last season's champions Chelsea kicked off their title defence at Stamford Bridge in the late kickoff against Spurs. It was a tough week for manager Emma Hayes as her father passed away, and she was emotional at the final whistle when her players presented with a shirt that said "Papa" on the back. I was at that game, and it was a great way to kick off the 2023-24 season for Chelsea. Emma Hayes' debutante me official got on the score sheet and I was very impressed with both Sajoki Nuskin and Ashley Lawrence's cameos as well. However, I feel like the player that stood out the most for me was probably Neve Charles. She was absolutely incredible dominating the left flank and linking up superbly with Guru Wrighton, who's probably one of Chelsea's best players from last season as well. Dan, Emma Hayes mentioned that Neve Charles was playing in her best position on the left wing in a post-match conference. Do you agree with it there? I think so. I think obviously when she was at Liverpool, I think she played higher up. And since she's come into Chelsea, obviously Emma's had a really good look at her. Um, you know, it took her time to kind of really nail down a position for club. And then, you know, obviously she's she's forced away in a little bit at country as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Emma works with her day in, day out. And obviously she's identified that, you know, she's a good player, you know, in a in a left back, more, you know, more defensive role than where she's played previously. So you know, I know that she's really impressed in the past. It's just probably about getting that consistency for her week in, week out. And, you know, it, it feels like, you know, she, she's at home in the team now. So, you know, maybe we'll see the best of her this season. Adam, Emma Hayes also mentioned in the post-match uh, conference that she wants Neve Charles to get more minutes in the England shirt. Is that something that you think would be good to see as well? Yeah, I think from an England point of view, rotation is is something that might be needed. The team has, you know, Serena's got her side that she likes and she sticks with it, but you've got so many options. I don't see why Neve Charles shouldn't get more game time, really. She's consistent in the WSL and she is a versatile player as well, which is massively helpful for England. And I feel like if she gets a chance, she could probably stake a claim to be in that side more regularly, but it's just about being able to get a chance, which is so hard with England where 
you've got Serena Eagman who doesn't really rotate a squad a lot and you need to be very good or have the look of someone else getting injured or you having a good substitute appearance to really be able to impress and make your mark and try and build your way into being a regular player there. There was some controversy just before Chelsea's second goal. Here's what Emma Hayes had to say afterwards. I said to the fourth official, I bet you're grateful that went in. The whole stadium could see it across the line. But you know there's human error and VAR is not foolproof. But having goal line technology at a stadium that already has it seems madness but at the same time if we go away to the city stadium next week and they don't have it we've got to have some consistency with it i just i don't really understand why we don't have var light across the league because we've implemented it at king's meadow during pre-season i don't think there should be any excuses like we've got the technology i don't i don't really understand why we're not using it to be honest Spurs have a good account of themselves in a first game for new manager Robert Villaham and he was encouraged by what he saw. I saw on the pitch were a quite even game even if they had some really good chances and I saw players want to play out from the back, want to play through the press, uh, want to attack with, with control. I saw players running and pressing and I saw the, the, the 97 minutes fighting. So I think our fans uh, were, even if they're not happy that we lose, I think they're happy that we actually take steps with how we want to play Tottenham football. And I think you can see it quite often in this game, and hopefully every week now we will improve from that. We worked really hard to focus on how we can make them stronger and more fit, right? So I think when you see it and they actually can handle it, it makes me really happy because we have put a lot of effort into that. Um, and I still think we can have some improvement there, but you know, my staff around me is really good in how we can push them without hurting them. So I think it's a, it's a good step to see that. And also for the 97th minute, when they go down to the corner flag, you actually see that. They are a little bit uh, scared of us, basically, and, and I like that. But then, of course, we need to be more sharp in the, in the end of first half. We actually lose the ball too easily in five, six, seven minutes, so they can create a few chances. So if we can be sharper and make, uh, yeah, not be too tight, then we're not going to do those mistakes and then we're going to create more chances. But it was a good first step, I would say. Adam, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I, I think Spurs played well and Spurs are a team who I feel like I'm consistently impressed with and, and do well against the bigger teams. I feel like coming away with that result maybe was a little bit harsh on them for how they played. But yeah, you you never know. When when you're against Chelsea and they, they played well, they got the result done. Uh, Spurs would have been happy to get a point there as well. I feel like that may, in their mind, have been a bit fairer. But yeah, it, it, it is what it is. Arsenal started their season at the Emirates in front of over 54,000 fans, but they were to go home disappointed as they fell to a 1-0 defeat to Liverpool. Mary Taylor with the first goal of her second spell, is as it was all a bit flat for Jonas Adebol's side. Adam, is that the shock result of the weekend for you? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I was in Matt Bid's press conference on the Friday before the game and he was asked by someone about Liverpool's away record last season and how they struggled away from home and they needed a statement. I think the way the journalist put it was, you know, is there any better way to make a statement than going and doing it in front of nearly 55,000 against Arsenal of all teams? And they did it. Arsenal were very good at points last year, but Liverpool worked hard and they got it over the line. Mary Taylor's goal 
goal. It was a, a well-taken finish. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely a shock. I don't think many people would have predicted Liverpool to come away with anything from that one. But to come away with three points is a huge result. They did it against Chelsea last season, to be fair to them. But I feel like that was a very different game with, you know, where Chelsea could probably have, have deserved to win that one. Whereas the Arsenal match, Arsenal weren't impressive. And, and Liverpool took advantage of that. Jonas Adeval is already asking for patience, but with the signings that they brought in over the summer transfer window, do you think that they should have perhaps started a little bit stronger than this, Dan? We can argue that. Um, I mean, they didn't really get any momentum against Liverpool, but, you know, sometimes you have to give the opponent the pat on the back. And, you know, Liverpool, the back three, I mean, Jenna Clark was... Looked experienced, even though it was the first Super League game. Gemma Bonner, if I had to give a 10 out of 10 performance, she was it. She was absolutely stunning. Um, and Grace Fisk as well. You know, you two, two out of the three, uh, you know, they made the debuts and, you know, they, they were so solid and you know, they looked so experienced as well in that Liverpool side. Um, they were just absolutely phenomenal. I think if you look at the, the defensive stats for over the weekend in the Super League, I think all three players come in the top five in terms of clearances and you know I think a couple of them kind of featuring the top few for blocks as well and interceptions so you know they were really really solid I don't you know Arsenal didn't play well but I think you've got to look at it from the other side and just say you know what Liverpool defensively they just put the bodies on the line time and time and time again um, you know, they, they, were, they were literally like a brick wall um, you know and, and Arsenal didn't have an answer to it so you know, I think Arsenal have got to get better. It's got to be a bit more free-flowing. There's got to be a bit more idea to the, the attacking play. They can't kind of pin it on, you know, not having Mead and Mead demand those kind of players. Um, but equally, I don't see Liverpool conceding many goals this season on the basis of what we saw yesterday. Manchester City only made one addition in the summer transfer window, and that was the record purchase of Joe Road. And that Dutch international was on the score sheet along with Lauren Hemp as they secured a 2 0 win at West Ham. I think a lot of the pundits have felt a bit underwhelmed about City, but the argument could be that they have a settled side going into this season, which could work to their advantage, couldn't it, Adam? Yeah, City's problem in recent years has always been underwhelming starts of the season where there's been so much chopping and changing and it's not just been like other teams where you lose a few big players. It's been, you know, last season was an entire rebuild. The team had to play a different way. You had to bed in new players and they didn't start well and building back from that start is hard. Gareth Taylor is always bullish and says that he wants his team to win the league and that he thinks his team can. But if you don't start the league well, you're not going to be able to do that in a in a division where you only play 22 games. Kicking off like that with a settled squad and just bringing in that addition of Jill Rod for someone really experienced who adds a lot to the team is much better than bringing in a whole host of players over the summer, no matter how good they are, and having to start afresh. This time, they're working off the back of a good finish to last season and they've got momentum behind them. And the players know inside out what Gareth Taylor's football is. So maybe this will be the season where City are stronger because it's felt like they've just been a bit underwhelming and haven't clicked for so long. So, yeah, maybe I think having the settled squad could be their key advantage compared to the other teams. And Rod is a great signing, isn't she? We've seen what she's done in the past with Arsenal, Wolfsburg and with the Dutch team. And she seems to have settled in quite nicely, hasn't she? 
yeah, Jill Rod is a fantastic player. I think if you watched her for Arsenal in the WSL, you know that. If you've watched her for Wolfsburg in, in Germany or the Champions League, you know that. And she just brings another little addition to the team to really help kick it on. I think in that midfield, you've got Hasegawa, who was very impressive last year, having you know no bunny shot at the weekend, but didn't matter for them. But if Bunny Shaw's there and you've got Jill Rod to help with the creativity as well, she's a player who can score her own goals from midfield, but can just make things. I feel like there was a bit of a weakness in Manchester City last year in that midfield spot that they didn't necessarily have that. They didn't have the player to fill the sort of Georgia Stanway, Caroline Weir roles in the middle of a game, whereas Jill Rod could do that. It's a really strong addition and a, a fantastic bit of recruitment. It was Freyanne Skinner's first game as West Ham boss and it ended in defeat and that's her 10th consecutive defeat in the WSL as a manager. Dan, she's taken on a tough job, isn't she? She definitely has, um, but she's a good young manager. Um, she's obviously been around in coaching a long, long time, um, you know, with the England set up and, you know, obviously at Spurs as well. Um, it is going to take a little bit of time to implement what she wants to do there. Um, you know, I don't know whether she's got enough financial resources to kind of really make them competitive. Um, you know, this season, 11th place might be a success for the club. Um, you know, just because she's coming quite late in, in the summer. Obviously, she was in at the World Cup as well. And then she's had to link up with the squad, you know, in August. So she hasn't had a lot of time to work with them. But, you know, from a West Ham point of view, you know, if the club have got the money, please come out and back the players and and the team and and you know try and invest a little bit more because it does feel like you know it's 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 a struggle for them, um, you know, compared to some of the other teams in the league, you know, and if that budget can be made a little bit greater for Rihanna, they'll I think they'll certainly receive kind of the benefit of that. Everton started at home with a defeat to Brighton. Elizabeth Turlum with two goals in the opening 15 minutes, getting Mel Phillips's team off to a winning start. That was despite new Everton club captain Megan Finnegan getting a goal back. An entertaining game over the opening weekend was the return of Bristol City back to the WSL as they took on Leicester City Ashton Gate. Adam, you had a busy day. You were across this one as well, weren't you? What was your take on it? Um, I think the scoreline is probably a little bit harsh on Bristol City in the end. They played really well. The first half was a fantastic half. There was a battle on on the wing between Ella Powell for Bristol City and uh, Amy Palmer for Leicester and they were just relentless going at it all, all game. If you haven't watched the goals from this one, please do because both of the first two goals of you know Carrie Jones for Bristol and Amy Palmer's for Leicester were fantastic goals. Uh, Carrie Jones, I thought, was really impressive for Bristol since, you know, moving to there. She's got WSL experience in the past and it's easy to forget how young a player she is, but she brought a lot to it. And I think, you know, Dan was saying that West Ham might be lucky to finish 11th. I think Bristol are in a very different position to other teams this season. If I, I don't think they're going to go down. I think they gave a good account of themselves. Leicester, Credit where credit's due. Willie Kirk knew exactly what to do to turn that game around at halftime. The the subs he brought on absolutely changed the game. Yuta Rantala was incredible uh, as a new signing to just get involved there. The Bristol's defence couldn't cope. That, that was the big thing with it. She was, yeah, a, a fantastic addition. It was a really exciting end-to-end -end game. 
bit unfair on Bristol City, but yeah, Leicester did what they needed tactically, won that one, and they were really impressive across the game. They were, you know, well organised, a lot of depth in that squad now, which I think they haven't always had in the past, and bringing on those substitutions absolutely changed the game. Bristol City newly promoted and probably the favourites to go back down, but it doesn't seem like that's your opinion, Adam. And obviously, Leicester City were in a relegation battle last season. Was this result a surprise to you or fairly expected? Um, I, I think Leicester were in a relegation battle, but since Willie Kirk came in in the latter end of last season, he knew what he was doing. He's an experienced WSL manager. And once they got that team starting to get some points on the board again, you always felt like Leicester were going to be safe in, in the division. That That's what I thought. And I think Leicester this season, I can't see them being anywhere near the contention to go down. They've got a solid squad, have a bit like Man City, the benefit of the back half of last season to to use that as a platform. And yeah, Bristol, I think they're, you know, they're not perfect as a team, but I equally don't look at Bristol City and think, this is a team who've just come up from the championship and they've got no chance of of staying up in the division. They've relatively settled. They seem to know what they're doing. And if they can pick up points in the games where maybe the next time they play Leicester, but you know, some other teams like West Ham, Spurs, there will probably be a, a you know, Brighton might be a bit of a push this season, but it could be a shock. And there are a couple of other other teams where they might be able to get draws here and there. And I think Bristol City will be safe. On to the championship next, and we have new leaders, and it's the mighty Blackburn Rovers. They won 2-0 away at bottomside Lewis with two goals from Georgia Walters. That's seven defeats in the last eight in the championship for Lewis, whose last win came against Blackburn back in April. Dan, that's for our five for Blackburn this season. Do you think that they can keep their winning streak up and potentially even get promoted? I mean, that's a huge ask, a real, real huge ask. Um, but, I mean, credit to Simon Parker. He's come in, he's obviously brought his... His processes to the club, the the players have bought into it really, really well. Um, results are probably much better than what was expected at this stage. Um, you know the the other thing is as well that they kind of lost some key attacking players in the summer. Um, Saffron Jordan hung up her boots to to go and work with the NHS, and um, Farah Crompton I think got an ACL injury as well. And you know the club have kicked on. They're winning games. They're scoring goals. You know, players like Meg Hornby are, are really stepping up to the plate in attack. So, you know, it, it, they're a real shock being up there. Nobody thought the Blackburn Rovers would have so many points and be in this position at the start of the season. Um, the challenge is staying there. But, you know, in Simon Parker, they've got a fantastic young manager who, you know, is going to go from strength to strength, I think, in the championship. And, you know, let's see where it goes. Another surprise package up there is Sunderland, who are a point behind on 11 points. Natasha Fenton and Mary McKeita with first half goals against Watford, who pulled a goal back in stoppage time through Carly Johns. Early pace setters Southampton suffered a second defeat in three games as they went down 3-1 at home to Birmingham, who secured a first win of the season. Two goals from Libby Smith and an own goal from Rosanna Parnell gave Darren Carter's side the victory. Reading won away at Durham 2-0 and Charlton won the South London Derby 2-0 at London City Lionettes. It was the National League Cup this weekend. Dan, give us your thoughts on the action. Yeah, so again, we had a Northern and Southern um, elements of the competition. Newcastle United won at Bournemouth St. Michael's. Uh, not many shocks around, if any. Uh, Nottingham Forest got a win in the North as well. Um, and Derby won 5-0 at Doncaster Rovers Bells. Um, in the South, 
Um, early season pace setters hashtag United beat Oxford United 2-0 and Rugby Borough continued their recent run uh, with a 3-0 win over Swindon Town. Um, Cardiff City ladies under new management under um, the, the guidance of Gemma Donnelly, former Blackburn Rovers manager. Um, they beat Plymouth 3-1 um, and the Welsh club have recently had a takeover and they're, they're kind of got these kind of really, really big ambitions of getting Super League football and potentially Champions League in, in the years in future years, um, they've turned to Donnelly to hopefully try to kind of transform the club's fortunes and, and push them up into the elite game. So it'll be really, really interesting to see where they go in the coming seasons. Big big game in France, so Lyon win 1-0 at Paris Saint-Germain. Eugene Le Sommer with the only goal. Lyon are second behind early pace setters Paris FC, whilst PSG are down in fifth. Looking ahead to next weekend there's some huge games coming up in the WSL on Friday night Manchester United host Arsenal and then on Sunday Manchester City host Chelsea Adam round two of the WSL and there's already some really mouth-watering tires on the way isn't there yeah it I think you know we mentioned in Manchester City earlier that's their really big ask I, if I remember rightly it was City Chelsea the other way around the second week of the WSL last year yep good good memory there um yeah, I think if Manchester City can do well against Chelsea, that'll be a real statement for them. It'll be the chance to show that, you know, it's not just that win against West Ham. They've got a team that's settled and yeah, they are title contenders. It's not just what Guy Taylor is saying. Um, yeah, I think it it's exciting that, you know, we're so early into the WSL and we've already got so many big games on the way. I think it... It'll be interesting to see that one. I'd like to see how Chelsea do after, you know, they were good against Spurs, but probably, you know, not perfect there, whereas City seem in a good way. So if City could start the season with six points from those two fixtures, that'd be a really good start for them. Dan, any thoughts from you? Liverpool Villa is another one um, that really catches the eye, particularly how Liverpool played yesterday. Um, you know, obviously... Villa have got the likes of Rachel Daly to hopefully kind of open them up, but it'll be fascinating to see, you know, whether Liverpool play the same way, kind of defensively, or, you know, if they get some forward players back, how they're going to try and trouble Villa. But, yeah, I think, you know, Liverpool will be looking for top half and Villa are obviously looking for, for fifth and better. So, you know, as well as the the United-Arsenal and the Chelsea um, City-Chelsea games, that one really stands out as well. Thank you so much to Dan and Adam for coming on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram, it's the Women's Football Podcast. Bye, guys. The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.